Hello, Savvy Scholar. This is Crystal serving as your podcast host. It's good to be back. Took a mini break, but here to celebrate with you, to encourage you, to provide you with the opportunity to connect with other Black women doing incredible things. On this episode, you will hear from former Navy officer and current associate professor of business, Dr. Chandler Lee. We talk about the importance of historically Black colleges, what is true leadership, and how to manage multiple projects. What else do you want to hear about? What do you want to talk about? Share your ideas at SavvyScholar.co or on Instagram at SavvyScholar. Let's get started. A special shout out to all of the women that currently serve in the military and have served. I think of my sisters, both are military veterans. One served in the army and the other in the Navy. And the word that comes to mind is courage. They were courageous. They sacrificed a lot during their time in the military. Both had children, spouses, and were able to navigate difficult decisions. Military life is tough and watching them be isolated for periods of time away from their family was challenging for me to watch from afar and I can't imagine how they endured. So thank you to all the women who are serving and who have served. Right now about 16% of the military are women And so I just want to be mindful of that. As I talked to Dr. Lee, she served as a Navy officer. She graduated from Norfolk State in their Navy ROTC program. So thank you. Just a special shout out to women who are often not recognized or appreciated for their service. Your service matters. Get to know Savvy Scholar Dr. Pamela Lee, Associate Professor, Speaker, and Change Agent. A native of Virginia, Dr. Lee is a former U.S. Navy officer. A servant at heart, Dr. Lee has blazed paths in the areas of academia, military, ministry, and leadership. At a time when few women were allowed in warfare specialties, Dr. Lee earned the coveted Gold Surface Warfare Qualification a master's degree in linguistics, as well as certification to teach English to speakers of other languages led to her career in higher education. She is currently a tenured associate professor and director of the MBA program for St. Leo University. She is responsible for training and preparing hundreds of professors who facilitate the courses and serve the students, a leadership consultant for nonprofit as well as for-profit organizations Dr. Lee has published and presented more than 30 papers and conferences and meetings in the U.S. and internationally. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lee, for joining me. How is your day going? It's challenging, but I'm fine. I, I'm on campus this week. I'm at the, um, in Florida. And so um, I'm, I try to do as much as I can while I'm here. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, going back and forth from different things, but it's been good. It's been good. You started your career as a commission officer in the United States Navy. Why did you elect to join the military? 
So, <laughs> Crystal, the, the reason that I, that I joined the military, I, I went to an HBCU, and I went to Norfolk State University, and it was an experience that changed my life. It really did. Um, I grew up in a very small town, so Norfolk State was the first time that I was seeing um, people who looked like me, particularly African-American women, who were just handling their business, and they were just stepping out and doing amazing things, and they expected amazing things of me. And it built you up to, you know, you can do what you put your mind to, stretch out, do some different things. And so I met a young lady in my, ju- in my sophomore year who was in Navy ROTC. And she started to talk to us about it and, and things like that. And the more she talked about it, and I thought about the adventure of the experience and, and what could be the outcome. So I did research. My twin sister and I both did research into it. And I figured, okay, this, this might be good. But I will tell you, the reason that I mentioned all of that is because one of the main things that I was thinking about is that after I graduate, I get commissioned and I get a job. I don't have to worry about what's going to happen or what it is that I'm going to be able to do with this, this degree, that this experience would have prepared me for something. And coming from Norfolk State, that was, it was very important. So I got, I graduated on the 12th. I got commissioned on the 12th, and I started work on the 13th, May 13th. And so it was important to me that, you know, that I was able to begin, and I, and I knew what it was that I was going to do with my, with my degree. Can you describe how you navigated life as a Black woman and an officer? You know, I, I've thought about that, and I think that, to be quite honest, a couple of things. Number one, I, I thank God that my parents prayed for me, that they, they always prayed for me. And I think that it was a lot of those prayers that paved the way for me. My, 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 my father tells us that my grandfather prayed for me while I was in my mother's womb. And I believe that that means something, that having God on my side before I had sense enough to pray for myself, I think was extremely important. And so also realizing having my parents and having my family as support I knew that I always had something, somewhere to go, that there were certain things that I didn't have to accept or believe about myself because my parents already told me who I was. They already told me what I had the ability to achieve. Coming from Norfolk State, I already believed and expected great things of myself. And then while I was in the military, having great mentors, people around me to speak into my life and to help me to chart out a path. To say, if this is where you want to go, then you need to be sure that you do this, this, and this. And it was interesting because I had these informal mentors before I realized what they were. Before I had enough sense to really listen to what they were telling me, they were there. And they were, they were speaking into me and they were leading me and guiding me. And so by the time that I realized, oh, wow, that's a real thing, this mentorship, that I really need to listen to them. Um, you know, I thank God that I was, I was already down a, a path, but again, for them supporting me along the way was extremely important, um, for, for, for my success. Can you describe your life as a professor in higher education? Mm. So my life in higher education, um, gosh, I, I don't consider myself an academic, uh, but after I realized that this is what I wanted to do. 
I knew that I had to, to study. Uh, the Bible says study to show yourself approved. And in this way, I knew that I had to study. I knew that I had to, you know, to conduct research. I knew that there were certain things that I needed to do in order to be a part of this community. So um, while I was in the, the military, we had the benefits, the tuition assistance benefits that were available to us. And so I wanted to go back to school to get a master's degree. And my husband, you know, told me, you know what, I fully support whatever you do, as long as it leads to a job. <laughs> he said, you got to get a job because I was thinking about transitioning from the military. Cool. Baby, you can do whatever you want to do, but you got to get a job. So when I start to think about what I wanted that graduate degree to be in, do whatever you want to do, as long as you can get a job. So, but Crystal, my interests were in words and grammar and writing. So I did exactly what my husband told me not to do. When I went and I sat and I talked about and I thought about my different options, I wasn't really thinking about how this was going to lead to a job. So I got a master's degree in linguistics because it was interesting to me. And so I came home and I, I told my husband, listen, this is what I signed up for. This is what I'm going to do. How is that going to lead to a job? What does that have to do with a job? I don't know. But the Lord loved me and he knew that he needed my marriage to work just a little while longer. So as a part of this, um, this master's degree, I earned a certificate to teach English to speakers of other languages, a TESOL certificate. And as a part of that, I taught in a classroom. I, I had that experience of teaching. Again, I had a wonderful mentor. And the first time that I was in front of a classroom, I knew this is, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So my first year after I got the master's degree, I was all over the place. I was adjuncting at different places, and I was excited. I think I probably taught at four, literally five universities in my first semester after I got my master's degree, and I was loving life. My husband kept asking me, this is not a real job, because for it to be a real job, you need to have an insurance card. You don't have an insurance card, so it's not a real job. So I thought, okay, for this to be a real job, I need to get a terminal degree. And I started looking around at some different options and things like that. And I found this degree program at Regent that just seemed to fit me. It was a, a, a degree in organizational leadership. It allowed me to explore my other passion, which, is, which was leadership. And I began to understand, okay, there, there are ways that I can add all of this and put all of this thing together. And so after I got the terminal degree, I started working in higher education, and I just knew that I wanted to be a part of it. And so I, um, again, relied on mentors, relied on my research to understand what does it mean to be an academic, and then how can my experiences, my, my professional experiences in leadership, how can that inform my research and my teaching? How can I use it to engage my students and to help my students to get them to the next level? And so, um, so it's, been, it's been an interesting journey. I've learned a lot. Again, I've... I've had people around me who didn't mind teaching and who didn't mind sharing. And that really has been a, a lot of the, the highlight of my experience um, in higher education. And you got a job, Dr. Lee, you got a job. And I got a job with an insurance card, Kristen. Yes, I did. <laughs> you, you teach business and leadership courses. What is your definition of leadership? For me, leadership is about influencing people to achieve some common mission or common goal. I, I love the fact of working with people, of engaging people, getting people to come together. And uh, leadership is about accomplishing something. You have to have 
a mission, a purpose, something that you are accomplishing. And leadership is the process of how that happens. Sometimes it happens from within. Sometimes it happens um, at different levels of an organization, different levels of a group. Sometimes it happens externally where there's a person on top. Sometimes it happens within or, you know, there may be a person on the deck plate, as we say in the Navy. But it is the process of engaging people, getting them together to influence them to achieve a common goal. That's what leadership is for me. Since you teach business courses, have you ever considered entrepreneurship? If so, what does Dr. Lee's business look like? So I thought about entrepreneurship, but not in any concrete way. Uh, my, my husband and I always talked about if we started a business, it would be a laundromat because he was convinced that this would be something that everybody needs. <laughs> so I've, uh, my brother is, is in real estate and um, he flips houses. And so I thought about what that might look like and what it might be like to do that um, on a more consistent basis, um, but not in a concrete way where, you know, I've sat down and put together a business plan to really think about how I might implement that. Dr. Lee's laundry, something. Yeah. <laughs> Soaps and soaps. <laughs> what, book, <laughs> what book or books have been the most impactful to you and why? So I think certainly the, the Bible. I'm, I'm one of these people who puts a, a, a goal. I, I try to read through it um, every year. And um, I find something new with every part of it. I try to use it as a book for my life to inform my decisions. I try to use it to understand myself as well as other people. And most importantly, you know, how I need to activate God's will and purpose in my life. So that is probably the, the most impactful book for, for me. Um, I think also from a professional perspective, um, or maybe just, just for life, I read The Color Purple when I was very young. And that book impacted me because it was the first book I read where I could really see people who not only looked like me, but sounded like me. Until that point, and, and that kind of began my interest in languages and linguistics. Because until that point, I had been led to believe that there was something wrong with my dialect, with the way that my, my mother and her mother, with the way they expressed themselves, how they talked, the words that they used, how they they put things together. That book allowed me to see that there's a meaning and there is a significance and there's a value in the way we communicate as African-American people and also as African-American women. That dialect was so familiar to me and that was the first time that I'd ever seen it validated. And seeing it in a book and these experiences, it validated it for me. And, and so that, that book was important for me for that reason, because again, I could see myself. And I think for all of us, when I read the Bible, I'm looking for myself, I'm looking for me in it. And so um, if, I, if I had to say, those are, are the two most in, important books for, for me. What is your greatest professional accomplishment? Wow. 
I think probably, you know, for for every position that I that I've been in, um, I could say that there was a, there was something that I accomplished there that I that I that I think was significant. For me personally, working with students and having them to call back or to email me back to say you really made a difference in my life. I remember what you said. I didn't do what you said, but I remember what you said. <laughs> I did it later, but having students come, come back and to say you, you had an impact, what you did or what you said impacted me, I think is probably my, my greatest professional achievement. Um, the academy might say earning tenure because that is the, the mark of a, um, that is an external aspect of a validation of your professional success. Um, so I might say that as well. Um, I've, I've just had the privilege to do some really, really cool things here um, at St. Leo and um, throughout my professional career. Here at St. Leo, I think it would be as well, when I came into the, the, this position as director of the MBA program, our MBA curriculum hadn't been revised in a while. And so in listening to our partners, listening to industry and things like that, we knew that we needed, it needed to be updated and it needed to be more relevant for the industry to really help our students to be able to um, get the skills that they needed in addition to the knowledge that they needed to make a difference in their communities. So the challenge from a leadership perspective is that as the MBA director, the, the way our structure works at St. Leo is I have no faculty who report to me. All of the faculty who teach in the program are adjunct faculty who work part-time. And then they're full-time faculty at St. Leo and they teach, but they don't report to me. So for all of them, the MBA is a part-time job. So being able to connect with them, but the, the way St. Leo works is that changes in our curriculum and changes in our programs have to be initiated and implemented at the faculty level, not at the director's level, as it should be. But I don't have any faculty who work for me. So I had to reach out and engage a group of faculty who cared enough about the program, uh, who were teaching in the program, of course, but cared enough about it to see it grow and to put the work in and the time in to see us get to the next level. So being able to work with them, to engage them, to inspire them in order for us to, to, to reach that goal, we totally revised the, the program. And so that to me was, was I think, pretty, pretty important. Um, I think it is having an impact on our students. I think it is having an impact on um, the preparation and, and, and their readiness to make a difference in their organizations. And so, you know, when I think about where I am now, that's one that, that kind of stands out to me as well. What is your health and wellness routine? Crystal, my health and wellness routine is probably not one that I would recommend to anybody else, but here it is. <laughs> um, I've never needed a lot of sleep. I just, I, I've just always been able to survive on a few hours of sleep. So part of my, my, my health and wellness routine involves 
getting up really early. I wake up at about 4.30, 4.45, not every morning, but most mornings. And I, I think to me, wellness begins with my spirituality and I start with devotions. Um, they're a group of, of women that I send scriptures to every morning. So after I do my devotions, I send them some encouragement. And then I, you know, I, I, I do my devotions and then I work out. Uh, most of the time I run. So I, I prefer outside, but if it's pitch black dark, I can't always get up the nerve to, to go outside. Sometimes I don't even think about it. So sometimes I have a Y that's close to me and I might go and I might run on the treadmill. But most of the time, I, I just run outside. And there's something about that that is just pure joy, just to be outside. Um, if my devotions take too long, depending upon what else I have to do, I may only run, you know, two miles, a mile or three or something like that. But just being outside is just something that, that, that speaks to me. Um, I, I, if I don't run every day, I'll do something inside. I have tapes that I do, but I'll do something. But that solitary time before I wake my son up is, is, is important. Now, throughout the day, my challenge is really monitoring, you know, my eating habits and things like that. Because, Crystal, I do not enjoy cooking. I just don't. So the meal preps and all the rest of the stuff that you see, I struggle. I struggle with it. So I try to, to do things throughout the day that will, will feed my body in a way that is, that is positive. And sometimes I hit that mark and sometimes I don't. But that I'm, I'm constantly trying to, to rework and, and rethink about, about ways to be sure that I feed my body because I don't sleep a lot. And um, so I, I, I want to make sure that, I am, that I'm doing what I, what I need to do. But that that pretty much is a, is a part of, of what my, my wellness routine is. So what advice would you share to other savvy scholars attempting to navigate life and commitment, school, work, family? So I think about this a lot because I'm the director of the MBA program, but I also advise students who are in the doctoral program in their dissertations. And one of the first things that I try to tell them is know your why. Know why it is that you do what you do and write it down. Put it up somewhere so that you can reflect on it, that you can remember it, particularly for a doctoral program. It's a lot of work. Why are you doing this? What do you hope to accomplish from it? And then, just like anything, whatever you say your priority is, that's what you want to make sure that you're spending time on. If your priority is a relationship with God, you want to put the time in. You want to, your life should look like it's a priority. That's the first thing that you should do. Or that's the most, that's, the, that's what you should spend most of your time with. If your priority is your family, then your life should look like it. If your priority, you know, is a job, is a project, okay, then your life will look like it. But you want to make sure that what you do aligns with who you say you are. So there are times when, when things may be cyclical, that you're, you're, you're focusing on, you know, accomplishing a particular goal where it may be a doctoral program, and that's where your focus is. It may be writing a book, and that's where your focus is. It may be if you have children who are toddlers or if you have infants, 
that's just where your focus is, whether you want it to be or not. And so you carve time out for that. You acknowledge that this is how you're going to spend your time and you don't apologize for it. That right now, this baby, this infant who cannot take care of himself, this is the most important season of my life. And you have to put it first. You don't begrudge yourself of that time. You don't apologize for it. You don't, you, you live in the moment, not wishing you were somewhere else or wishing that you could be somewhere else. The doctoral journey was stressful and it was enjoyable and it was also stressful. And it was, it, it pushed, it pressed, it, it was stressful, but it was also, it, it's all of that. So be in it for whatever it is at that particular time, whatever it is, be in the moment and appreciate it. Your son is never going to be two again. So live in the moment. Appreciate that this is where you are right now. This is where your life is right now. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Welcome it. Receive it. And then the next phase, just move on to, to whatever that next thing is. So that's kind of, you know, what I, what I think about. That's kind of what I advise and, and I talk with my students about and my sisters and myself. That, you know, wherever you are in your life, be there. And lastly, future projects and where can Savvy Scholars connect with you? So I'm not as, as, as active in social media as I want to be. That's an area where I want to catch up. But I am on Twitter. I, I, I do watch that. I do read because I think it's important to understand what people are thinking and, and what they're saying and, and how the communities. I, I follow a number of different communities. And um, I think it's important to, to, to know what's being said. And um, I get my news from Twitter and Facebook, just like everybody else. And then I make decisions about what's real and, and what's not <laughs> before I take action. So, um, and then my next project, Crystal, and I'm saying this out loud now for the entire community, is a book. I am, I'm working on it. I'm writing it. Um, it is coming. It has just been like this baby that I haven't given, given birth to. And it's time to give birth to her. I, I think that she she is going to be beautiful <laughs> and she is going to make a difference in somebody's life. I just need to to give birth and, and to be able to accomplish this. So that's my that's my next project. Can't wait to read it, Dr. Lee. I know it's gonna bless so many. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. I'm so proud of you. Uh, for being able to get this done, this this project, this is is this this is all that. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you for being a great listener, a friend, a mentor, just a kind servant leader throughout these years, and I've learned so much from you. Amen. Amen. I love you so much. Love you. Bye. Okay. Take care. A special thanks to Dr. Lee for joining the podcast today. Follow her on Twitter. She is an incredible speaker. I look forward to reading her publication later in the year. Scholar, I leave you with your self-talk. Claim peace sound mind, and discernment this week. 
Don't allow distraction to deter you from all that is possible. Thank you.